news now. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Nerd News Now. Uh, today is Monday, like when we always do this. But I have no concept of anything else that has happened in the world other than that it is Monday. It is Monday evening. Uh, it's like Monday night for me, so. But technically, because of the way my schedule shakes out this week, it's Monday mid-afternoon. So, yay! Yay! Yeah. So, uh, we're 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 gonna we're gonna try and do this a little differently uh, going forward here on the Nerd News now, uh, which is um, to have a little bit more of a cohesive concept of what we're gonna talk about. But I'm gonna go ahead and guess that none of us are prepared. <laughs> uh, I don't need one of us here. <laughs> what kind so, of nerd would we be if we prepared? Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, so, Brainy, do you want to talk about the math that it, uh, involved in uh, wind, wind, wind condition predictability of 13 seconds left in a football game down <laughs> by seven? How many people just said 13 seconds is done, we're over, we're no more, right? Based solely on memes? All of them. <laughs> exactly. Though, um, and, and, you know, not to go off the topic, well, almost off topic there, but uh, interestingly enough, um, after that game was a Lakers game as well, Lakers versus Heat. And I think the, the Heat were winning by 30 points. And I, you know, I, I got back around fourth quarter and they're like almost at four points. So, yeah, it's kind of – it was one of those days for the sports. But that 13 seconds, man, wow, oh, my God. I uh, This weekend, uh, out of four football games, three of them came down to time-expiring, go-ahead, game-winning walk-off field goals. And the other one went into overtime. Yep. Uh, uh, best I could tell, that has never before happened in the NFL. Yeah, especially the thirteen seconds. I mean that that was a uh, right. What was it? Twenty nine points in a minute and a half, something like that. Yeah, like one minute thirty eight or one minute forty something, something like that. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. It's uh. It's creepy. It's weird. It's not not normal. Yep. And, and this isn't just two very, you know, terrible teams. These are very good teams mm-hmm. that went at it. And, you know, it was they, it was a little slip in defense on both parts. And, you know, it led to what we had, what we saw. It's true. No, I mean, I, I like the fact that it feels like for the first time in a long time, the playoffs are balanced. And that means the Super Bowl has the potential to either be incredibly interesting and fun or incredibly boring. Um, I, I, I'm leaning more towards fun just because we've seen, I mean, we've seen the amount of effort these guys are putting in. So, oh, sure. Right. But you get two matched up teams and it's just neither team can do anything. And it turns into this boring contest of boringness. Uh, it, it will be disappointing if it ends in a 3 0, uh, you know score at the end of the Super Bowl, which would be very disappointing, but still. Well, and I think the only way we're ever going to get the NFL to fix their overtime rules is if the if the Super Bowl is going to end in a, like a 7-7 tie. Exactly. That, that would be horrible. Yeah, that, that, you know, 
they've got to give the other team a fair chance to try to make it back. And I think the rule does state that in the Super Bowl it's different. Which would make um, sense. Right. Um but you know, whatever. Uh so other than other than football and the Lakers game, did either of you guys watch anything this weekend? Um, I, I watched this weird uh, internet network. Uh, you know, they did this expo thing. I think it's called Experience. <laughs> so you got to watch a horror show that was my face all weekend. Um, well, you were on the the publisher's panel for what, like two seconds and gone. I wasn't there very long, which is good. Uh, that was led by our friend Joshua Starnes from Red Five. Shout out to Josh. And he did a good job. Yep. And, you know, I tried to be on as few panels as possible, uh, and it wound up being most of them. Um, just because of the way other people's schedules shook out and um, COVID and life, you know. Correct. Uh, I was lucky, though. Like, I got um, I got to interview my friend Arvell, which is always one of my favorite things um, to talk to Arvell. And he's texted me like six times since then going, so how was it? How many views did we get? People like it? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And of course. Just a week or a month to get more responses from people. Right. Kyle, your mic is doing funky things again. And now, now you're soft. With that said, Miss Jen, how was your weekend? Did you have a good time? Uh, yeah, I had a really good time. I uh, set up at a non-traditional convention for comic book people. Um, I set up at a money show where everyone was selling, you know, bullion and bills and coins and stuff. But uh, I get to, I'm allowed to be there because I'm not in what they call the bourse. I've never heard the word "bourse" until I actually set up at their show, but it's the main room, and that's where all the coins are and stuff. But they'll allow ne'er do wells like me, who are not—you know—you have to have like 90, 75 percent of your stuff has to be coins if you're going to be inside. But I set out in the set up in the uh, front room, the front uh, like hallway. Uh, I strategically placed myself next to the one dude who brings a bunch of. Uh, reference material so all the books about coins <laughs> and you literally have to walk by me to go to the bathroom or to any of the educational programming for the kids and i have a big sign that says i buy collections so that's that's really what i do there is try to make connections and help people because a lot of people go that have like inherited coins collections and inherited other kind of collections so i try to help steer them to someone that will give them a fair price which is me Nice. If someone makes a big deal at a coin convention, do they get stand up and yell, Bullion? They don't, but it is okay. So, this is the thing that they makes me should. Laugh. It, this is the thing that laughs, makes me laugh about them. Okay. So, the venue itself is super secure. There's like many, many multiple ununiformed police officers and uniformed police officers there, and almost everybody carries weapons. And um, at night, they have, they let, dogs loose in there so there's really no way to i mean i guess if you had a giant crew and like way too much time on your hands you could try to figure it out but 
when they, when they let dogs loose, does that mean the dogs just get to run around the whole time? Yes. So if you if you were to get in there, then you would be eaten alive. I have several questions about the cleanup policy after the dogs. <laughs> right. There is a human there with them. Right, but still. Like, you have a pack of dogs. They're going to be like, this tree smells unfamiliar. Yeah, right. I think that, is, that, that is their job. They have jobs as dogs that just guard places. So, um, Okay, so they have a secure place, right? But every night, as far as I can tell, they all like gather their things and put them in giant suitcases and roll them out into the public to their vehicle. <laughs> Where you have to assume that we're probably carrying their also money for the day. So anyway, right. to me, it seemed like a backwards philosophy. I would have waited until the end of the show and then roll that stuff out where everyone was unloading. But. Well, and I, I hate saying this, but there are times when there are um, not too honest dealers there as well. So it's understandable. Maybe, yeah, yeah maybe that's what their thought process is. They don't want to. I uh, when I when I do conventions, I take like my box of slabs, um, and anything else I have that's like irreplaceable stuff, which is my highest markup stuff, and also a lot of times the stuff I have the lowest margin on. Like back to the hotel room. Um, after I just would rather, if somebody's gonna steal from me and they steal a back issue, I don't. What you know, whatever. Um, you know, we had we did a show one time and somebody stole some manga. Oh man! I don't. They stole like three volumes of One Piece. Like it wasn't like they were. I don't want to say it wasn't like they were greedy, but it wasn't like they were greedy. They didn't steal all my one piece. Right? Like, and while I pursued it with the convention, it wasn't enough for me to pursue it with the police. Right? right? It's it's petty theft. The, the conventioner was like, I'm sorry, you know, what can we do to make it up to you? I'm like, buy me a cheeseburger because it's about the same value. Like, you know, Send a soft pretzel to my booth later in the day and we'll call it good and I'll be the presenting sponsor again next year. Like <laughs> so you can be bought for a pretzel? I can be bought for less than a pretzel. <laughs> but no, it was um, you know, but if I had left, I had at that show I had some Gundam that were six, seven hundred dollar Gundam. If they'd have taken that, then I'd have had to go through the process with the police and go to court and all this other mess. So it's better for me to take the risk of having it on my person, taking it back to the hotel room, and, you know. And I'm also, let me ask you guys this. I, I, and I know it's going to sound contradictory, but do you, have you ever, like, done a convention where there's an attached hotel, and even though you haven't needed a hotel room because it's, like, in your hometown, you get a hotel room? Absolutely. But I just, like, feel like... I'm just going to be all worn out. Or if I know I want to stay and like have dinner with people, then definitely. Yeah. I will get a hotel room and not sleep in it. Just take my inventory up to it, leave it in the hotel room and then go back to my house. Um, just because I prefer it than hauling the stuff around. Um, you have a bed upstairs. Might as well just use it. Well, I, I also, I'm a big fan of something called home field advantage, which is sometimes you have to do 
work that you don't want to do in public. So you go up to your hotel room and do that work. Um, and I, I'm talking about um, pooping. We, we, yeah, we. we and what we mean here is pooping. No, we mean. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just better to go up and be able to, like, you know, stretch your legs and, you know, get comfortable. Especially after three or four days of eating terrible convention food. Yeah. So, but no, I, it's, everybody's always, I, I know a lot of people who are like, I do 20 conventions a year and I have to do them as cheap as possible. I try and never get a hotel room. And I'm going, bro, you don't know the, the satisfaction of leaving a show in the middle of the day, letting your staff run the booth, going up to the hotel room. And just taking like a, a giant, massive uh, break. break. <laughs> nap. <laughs> 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 that was a refreshing nap. This, right. This conversation, uh, I think we need to uh, refocus on our... Well, topic. speaking of things you'll need a break in, in the middle of... Um, uh, there are early screeners of the forthcoming Batman film Ooh. that are four hours in length. Screeners that are four hours? Yeah, there have been screenings that have been four hours plus. It's okay. interesting because the movie's only supposed to be like two hours and 38 minutes, right? Right. Batman's The Batman's earliest screenings involved a four-hour cut. Uh the Batman's runtime has finally been confirmed, but some test audiences for Matt Reeves' upcoming DC film got to see a four-hour cut. See, now I want to watch the uncut version when it comes out. Which is probably what they're counting on. Uh, the Batman's official runtime is two hours, 55 minutes, which is an hour and 55 minutes longer than I would hope. Um, but that's just because I know that an hour in, I'll have to go take a break. And so um, I will miss a significant portion of the film. I'm, I'm assuming you've never sat through Bollywood films, huh? Uh, never when I couldn't pause them. They're, they're uh, known for having a, a decent intermission. Yeah, no, like if I could pause them or yeah, they have an intermission, I'm in. Like, uh, I, that's why I love Tarantino's grindhouse thing. Like, oh, there's an intermission. I go get more popcorn. I can do some work and <laughs> I can come back and watch the second half of this movie. But that begs the question for me, is there such a thing as a movie that's too long to go see in theaters? Hmm. I don't know. There were they, remember when they, before it got to be way too impossible they used to always have before the newest Marvel movie. They'd have like a a back to back viewing of the mo the movies that came before, until it becomes became you know people were dying from blood clots in their legs from sitting too long. And then they're like, you can't do that anymore, I guess. Wasn't Ben Hur like a three year long movie? Three year? <laughs> well, something like that. <laughs> well, Ben Hur, The Ten Commandments. Yeah, those are like what four or five hours and longer. Yeah, I mean, 
I've certainly like uh, let there be carnage felt like it lasted two and a half days. Um, but no, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, if this movie's four hours, does that or you know, it's it's we know now that it's two hours and fifty five minutes. Does that in any way deter you? Well, from from going to going to see it in the theater. The thing is, how are those four hours used or three hours in in this case used? You know, if it's entertaining, if it's keeping me on the edge, the, the three hours are going to go by really quick. But if it's a Napoleon Dynamite, uh, that, that five minute first scene is going to last a lifetime. So you know, it, it's um, right. It depends on how the movie is going to flow. Sure, but I mean, knowing ahead of time, do you think twice about? So I'll give you. I'll tell you where I'm at. Where I'm at. Um, movie comes out two days after my birthday. I was thinking of pulling a Miss Jen and renting a movie theater for my birthday. Woo! But I do not want to spend that much time with my friends. <laughs> Look, you only have one friend that lives close to you, and all the other ones are imaginary. So you might as well just do it. But no, uh, I don't. I don't know if I want to. I think it'd probably be higher cost because it's a longer movie, and you know, there's a bunch of factors there that I'm really interested in figuring out. But because of its length, I'm considering not doing it now. Well, why not just buy an 85 inch TV and a really nice surround sound system and watch it at home? I when don't want those people in my house. Again, it's only two people in the restaurant imaginary. <laughs> Can I watch it virtually with you? But in all seriousness, yeah. um, you know, that, with, with the little pandemic that we're still going through, um, I'm still going to wait to go into theaters. Um, that's something I can avoid, so I'm going to avoid it. Um, I'll, I'll watch it at home for now. Is it three-hour deterrent? Not necessarily. Primarily because I'm used to it. You know, I've been watching three-hour-long movies since I was a little kid, so it's not a big deal. I, Sorry, I was choking to death. I prefer long movies myself, weirdly. And it honestly depends on what it is, you know. If you tell me you're gonna go watch a three hours uh, long episode of uh, Emily in Paris, heck yeah! <laughs> you knew I had to throw that in there. I, gonna cosplay as as uh, Emily the next show. Oh heck yeah, uh, Justin! There's a there's a clip that goes around the internet. Just look up emotional damage and put it right here. <laughs> Uh, in other news, uh, the Mighty Ducks has chosen uh, Josh Dumel to replace Emilio Estevez in the next season of Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Okay. See, that's something I probably will not watch. Uh, I'm here for it. I like Josh Dumel. I thought he kind of got uh, short shrift in Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah. Um. I thought he kind of got the short end of the stick as Fergie's husband. Um, and he was in a show called Las Vegas that I really enjoyed. That was so, a nice show. You're right. I enjoyed it as well. Um, I, I just don't know if they need to remake that show. 
Uh, no, it's the continuation. So they did that first season, right, of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, uh, which is a new version of the Mighty Ducks. The only returning thing really was Emilio Estevez and the city of Minneapolis. Uh, it really was more of a family kind of uh, situation dramedy. Um with Lauren Graham kind of as the big lead, I think. And um, I quite enjoyed it. And having Josh Dumel come in as a as a hockey person uh, fits better than a romance between Emilio Estevez and Lauren Graham, which is, I think, the direction the show is going. Um, so what you're basically saying is he's uh, better looking? <laughs> no, I, I look at him and I don't think, gee whiz. That Charlie Sheen looks funny. <laughs> Ouch. Well, I, and don't get me wrong. I love Martin Sheen, um, but both of his sons are um, mediocre actors by comparison. And so um, I don't know, man. They've had they've had their moments. Yeah, they have. But like they've not had. Moment after moment after moment after moment after everything they do is perfect, uh, like Martin Sheen has. Mar Martin Sheen came from a generation where you you were competing with a lot of talent as well. It's true. It, was, it was about more about talent than it was about money. When his kids grew up, where it's more about money than it is about talent. It's more about who you know than it is about talent. And not saying they're not talented. I think they, I still think they're talented. I mean, as silly as a two and a half men was, I think he did a good job in there. Oh, I think he was good in it. It's I think it's definitely one of the higher points in the Charlie Sheen career. Yep. Um, as much as a very low point in the Aston Kutcher career. Yeah, I, I I I can't I can't personally criticize that aspect. Of it. I didn't get to watch very much of it. So maybe I'll watch it in reruns and see how his uh, run went. It's on like six hours a day. If you have a parent who's a retiree, they probably watch it without your consent. <laughs> uh, well, my parent is uh, basically watching Indian drama. So I trade. <laughs> I'm sure you would. I don't know if you want to. It's it's if you watch Tell the Wayways, man, this is worse. Okay, um, I still, if I never have to watch another episode of, like, and half men. Mom into Two and a Half Men into King of Queens, I'll be happy. Um, so, uh, here's one for you. There's a new show on Peacock called uh, True Story with Ed Helms and Randall Park. Have you guys heard about this? No. Yeah. All right. I, I love how Hannah story. has heard about it, but she's probably just seen the ads on Peacock? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the premise of this, this show is that um, real people come in and tell a story um, and then famous people act it out. So it's like drunk history, but with real people stories. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull it up here. Um, so I watched the first few episodes today, and I the show I think 
is fantastic. I don't think he could ever be on a network of any kind, but it's fantastic. It's um, it's one of those things that makes that that tr- nah um really drives home that truth is stranger than fiction. Um, and so the first, the first episode, the first story is about a guy who was a Steelers fan in 1978 when they went to the Super Bowl, and he and his buddies would sneak into every Steelers home game and then they decided to sneak into the Super Bowl. And it's the story of this guy sneaking in the Super Bowl and then sneaking his way down on the field because he just so happened to be wearing the same outfit as the Steelers ball boys. And then because he happens to be wearing the same outfit as the Steelers ball boys, sneaks his way into the Steelers locker room after they win the Super Bowl. And then sneaks his way to take a shower with the Steelers. And then gets caught. And then, like, makes his way under the Steelers team bus as he's he's trying to, like, escape. And he gets back to his friends and none of them believe him. (laughs) Like, until Terry Bradshaw, like, yells at him the next year about it. Like... Like it, like this ridiculous story, and then the the, the third episode is uh, the first love story on the show, which was great. Um, it's a guy trying to win over the affection of his future father in law, or his hope to be future father in law. Um, and so they're in like Mumbai at this uh, at this cafe, and he has arranged for a dude who's like he calls him Bollywood friend, who's a Bollywood actor to rob his girlfriend. To purse snatch, and then this guy in the show is gonna chase him down and get the purse back and like win his win the family over. Well, they're sitting at dinner, and some guy comes up and grabs a purse. Dude chases him down and gets the purse back. Comes back, and then about five minutes later, here comes his Bolly. Here comes Bollywood friend, <laughs> and this dude grabs the purse, and now the the future father in law jumps up and beats the crap out of the guy. Oh no! Like, and it's. This is stuff you can't make up, right? Like it's and so to see to see like you know famous actors playing these roles of of you know of of these these people acting it out and they're always like um hello Mr. so and so's father <laughs> you know like it's they don't have they don't have all the details cuz it's just the retelling of the story so it's you know the actor goes hello my future wife's father <laughs> you know and so it's the acting is all ter- oh it's so much fun uh you should totally check that out so miss jen yes if you were asked to produce kyle's uh, upcoming birthday party mm. which famous actor would you cast for the imaginary friends oh for the imaginary friends <laughs> wow do they have to be actual people can Ethan Supley from My Name is Earl play me? <laughs> I'm obsessed with that show. I miss it so much. By the way, uh, he's basically retired from acting and he's a personal trainer now. And the dude looks like he could lift the earth. Wow. He's jacked. There was something magical about that show, right? Because they, they were just ridiculous characters. Um, you know what's funny is uh, that that show was shot in our neighborhood. 
What? Whenever, yeah, whenever we like, well, not where I currently live, but you know, and uh, mm-hmm. whenever we see him, like, I know exactly where that is. Like, it's it's not, you know, it was one of those things. Like, oh my god, that I, I know which spot they're on right now. We we places we would walk by without even paying much attention to it. So was it was it based on a real um, like trailer park? There is a trailer park, and I know the trailer park where they shot at. Um, and the Yum Yum Donuts, that area, you know, the mm-hmm. donut shop area, I know exactly where that is. Um, and like I said, we used to walk by there and everything. So, but um, living in LA, we get to see a lot of that anyway. So, yeah, are you are you guys numb to it? Like, is it nothing to be like, oh, the street is shut down for famous movie? Yeah, absolutely. Famous movie people instead of being like, "Woo, famous people." Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's even in our neighborhood. You know, they shut down our places, and we're like, hey, "Okay, you know, it's just another filming going on." Um, in fact, when we first moved into our house, about a month uh, into it, um, we had a note slipped uh, slipped under our ta- under our door saying. Hey, um, and this is so, I'm more like, this has got to be fake. Of course, we find out it wasn't. Um, we're shooting this upcoming movie. Um, what was it called? Oh, it was a Spielberg movie about the future gamers and stuff. Oh, Ready uh, something. Ready Player One? Ready Player One. Yep. And it said, hey, we're, you know, we're shooting for this. We would like to use your house. And the way it was written is like, just like a plain piece of paper um, with a date. You know, I'm like, who the heck? You, this has got to be fake, of course. Our, our neighbors had, uh, they had also gone to our neighbors and they basically shot there as well. So, uh, so Wait, yeah, so your it, house is in Ready Player One? No, we basically turned them down. Oh. Again, thinking it was a fake note. Because, you know, people do that. People scam things like that. Oh sure. That and we had boxes everywhere. You know, we we were just moving in, and it, it was a disaster anyway. So we don't want to commit to anything like that. Sure. Um, um, did you ever hear the story about when they were shooting one of the Nolan Batman movies in Cleveland? Nope. They told a bunch of people, like in these office buildings in downtown Cleveland, that they were going to be shooting this big car chase and some explosions on this street. But apparently the message did not get to everyone in this, these high rises. So they're shooting this scene and people are calling the police reporting like terrorist attacks and all kinds of stuff because they just see cars blowing up and things getting flipped over <laughs> while they're like at their job at like, you know, they're working at like Merrill Lynch or whatever, and they're like, <laughs> and they had no idea. And the police had to, the police basically had to, put a thing on their phone that said if you're calling about the explosions in downtown Cleveland it's Batman (laughs) you can tell by the GCPD helicopters that keep flying around that's right right. oh my word so um, yeah I mean that was that was gonna be my quite those were my things that I want to talk about that new show and uh, the four-hour Batman movie um some there's some really cool fan art if you've watched uh, Peacemaker uh, that has turned Peacemaker into a children's book. 
What? Called P is for Peacemaker? It's totally just fan art, but it's got that kind of Art Nouveau, Art Deco kind of uh, children's book style. Yes. That is... uh, it's hysterical, and I want it hanging in my house. I still haven't got to even watch the opener. I want to see the musical. It's 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 worth watching. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't want to watch it in every episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it the lead in always? Wait, I'm sorry, what was that? Was Is it the lead in always? Yes. Well, yes. I'm not sure that I want to watch every episode of Peacemaker. I like it, but it's like... I feel like it's one of those shows that I could get by watching every third episode. I agree with you there. And have my fill. Um, it, it's, it is, yeah. It's like other shows. It's developing slowly. Um it's entertaining, but it is still developing slowly. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's one of those things that, like I said, for me, I think I would have preferred it as a film, as a movie. I agree. Um, But, yeah. um, But, you know, I'm feeling the same thing, and maybe it's just me. I'm feeling the same thing about Book of Boba Fett. Uh, have you guys watched yet? I have. I finished Mandalorian. I, I am the worst. Oh. I'm the worst. You're hustling, so it's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) You know I am. (laughs) Well, Miss Jen is the reason that on the EXP Expo this week we had a bunch of dudes who's like copper money faux life in in our comments. (laughs) And I'm like Those guys are awesome, right? Right, and they're all like, uh, there's a whole bunch of like money people going, so like, what's the value on something like (laughs) like uh, it, was, it was hysterical. Okay. I'm grateful to them. I feel like we need to talk to those guys and, and let them have a show on the experience. <laughs> we'll know about yes. money too. <laughs> yes. Well, I almost, okay. I no lie, almost had you go do some recon for me at the money show. My grandfather's a huge coin collector. Oh, okay. But he's been collecting coins since the 1920s when he was a very small child. And he's got no way to inventory and keep track of them except for an Excel document. And anytime he wants to add it, add to it, I have to go over and do the work. So, so I was I almost had you go see if somebody there was like marketing an app or something. Oh, dude. They, I'm not going to be I'm trying not to be mean about it, but I'm pretty sure these guys are like one level away from like paper and spiral notebook. There's they, a they fear technology. I called a lot of coin shops and, you know, high-end collectible dealers and stuff and was like, how do you do it? And they're like, most people just use an Excel document. Yep. Or uh, they have a piece of paper in their wallet. That's the things they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I go, that's how your whole industry functions? And they go, pretty much. Yeah. I think that if there were more people doing it, right. there would be enough money in it to, for someone to develop an app. But I don't know that there is. Yeah, no. I, my cousin's going to build him an app, and then we're going to put it in the app store and see what happens. I'm sure there is a, there is one out there somewhere. Uh, there are some that we found, but they're not good. I mean, they I'm are surprised. just now getting their... Like, they have a thing called a gray sheet. 
that's their overstreet or wizard yeah. and they still do a printed version of it that most people want they just went digital it's just so weird to me that they they'll still like be waiting by their their mailbox for their gray sheet to come in with prices that are like way outdated well and that leads me back to my question i've been asking for years why is there not a digital overstreets yeah i think they're resistant to it i think uh, maybe they'll get there well there is sort of a digital overstreet but it's just pdf files of uh the catalog they have and and it, again it, this is something that uh, i'm sure Stu has thought of but comic hub can do that they can you know um they can take their multiple retailers they have create a market uh and uh, do a price guide through that that was something you know like we talked about yesterday that, that was one of our plans is to create a marketplace where we could have a price guide a, a true price guide um yeah. not, not something a, that's not like, a spec price guide yeah you know, one of the problems I see with TCG players is what, what we've started to notice is it's a great marketplace for trading cards. But what we started to notice is uh, a lot of people are creating accounts to basically drive down the market price. So, you know, let's say there's a $100 card as, a, as an example. Um, 10, 15 people create an account. They have zero rating and they're basically listing this card at $85, $80, $75. So when you're, you know, when you're getting an average, it's average at a lower price. So that is something to watch out for when you're trying to create a marketplace. You've got to make sure it's a trustworthy. Well, and see, so for about the minute and a half, I was on TCG player as a seller. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I didn't last on TCG player for a number of reasons. Um, But one of the things we were doing, though, is I would get cards and a lot of them I got because I was selling my magic collection. So I had peanuts invested in them. So I have a $100 card that I'm into for one-tenth of whatever I paid for that pack, 39 cents or whatever. And now, why would I list that card at 100 bucks when I can list it at 75 and sell it like that? Correct. And one of the other dealers in the area said to me, he goes, hey, you know what you're doing. He goes, you're not undercutting people. You're lowering the market value. Uh-huh. And so I stopped doing that um, on TCG Player and just did it on eBay. <laughs> I guess same thing. It drives the market value down because it's, it's eBay. Right. And again, you, uh, well, the what do- you were doing is not wrong. We were using TCG Player as our pricing guide. <laughs> and if I'm driving down the price on TCG Player... I'm screwing myself in the long run. So but this, what I'm talking about is basically people you don't, you've never seen before. You know, they've got a zero rating and they've got like a few items listed. And all of a sudden there's like, you know, 10, 15 new dealers selling in a week. And you got to wonder, it's like how, you know, all of a sudden pricing prices are being dropped because of that. And it's all, always the same, re, you know, dealers that are listing on high end items. Because they're trying to drive down the market. Um, again, you know what you what you said is not, there's nothing wrong with that. You are willing to sell it for seventy five. Great, that's you know, that's a legitimate offer. Um, you know, we, we want that is 
at the heart of the reason why I try to buy everything if I buy something. Because I don't want I I don't want some schmo out there deciding to start undercutting it and making what really is a valuable book into a non-valuable book just because they want to try to be the lowest person in the marketplace so they just keep on driving it down. So I tend to if if something's offered to me, then I will buy all of it so that I can keep the market right for it. And I don't care if it takes me a hundred years to sell the copies I've got. Right. I actually I actually got out of selling on TCG player because I bought from a reputable guy who bought at a reputable auction some Tarmogoyfs and they were fakes. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? If I can't, if I as an active magic player can't tell just between a fake magic card and a real magic card, mm -hmm. I don't need to be dealing in magic cards. And it's it's also hard because the, the magic cards have gotten, the, the fakes have gotten really good. I mean, they've gotten mm -hmm. really good. It is very hard to tell that they're fake. Right. Uh, unless if you're an expert. And a lot of times when you're buying collections, when you're buying uh, uh, singles, uh, you're not paying too much attention to the good, minute details. Unless if you're, you know, unless if that's your only job and you know how to identify them, uh, it's very tough. And a lot of times they, they, and they, they could exchange hands 10, 15, 20 times before they're discovered to be fake. I've got a, one of my retailer friends. Um, you guys might know him, Richard Early. He's bought a card sorting robot that's like $10,000 machine. Yep. I wonder, I wonder if they're sensitive enough to catch. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, it's something I've thought about getting as well. The ones I've seen are. Um, so when when you go to Gen Con, for instance, they have these machines that people can rent time on to sort collections they pick up at Gen Con. Mm -hmm. Right? So you can, on Wednesday, you can buy a big card collection, rent time on the machine on Thursday, and have those cards in your inventory by Friday. Like, that quick. But they have them... I think there's different levels, but the one that I got to see work had an infrared light in it that could tell if it was the right paper stock and the right, you know, you had to tell it what set it was from and it would could tell you if it was legit or not by shining this light through it. Wild. Wow. Yeah, if you're dealing in cards as heavily as that, it's, it's, a, it's a good investment. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're only doing, you know, a handful of cards a day or something like that. It's not worth it. I know guys, I, there's a guy I, I, I know just a little bit. Uh, he graduated a few years ahead of me uh, from my high school, but he got into, uh, he deals in precious metal. Um, like it's his side job. His main job now is that he owns laundromats and uh, coin, coin up car washes. And is it's just, the mafia because that's pretty much a mafia. Both of those are mafia <laughs> runs. Not around here. Um, <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a true side hustle. Mainly because he's bought those guys out. <laughs> His true side hustle is, uh, you know, he's got a uh, a camper in somewhere in Arizona where he does. He's in. He's in. Well, before that, he was in waste management. 
Before that, he was an engineer for Owens Corning. Yeah, oh, that is that is a hundred percent mobster, man. Nah, he was an engineer. He was an engineer for Owens Corning. He was an electrical engineer. Um, but he, what happened was he saw a laundromat up for sale, and decided, you know what, I that's a decent and it's in good. It's in a good spot, so he did it as a real estate investment. Okay. And then so he realized, right? He realized that it's it's a license to get quarters. And then he started realizing how much quarters can sell for. And so he basically just turned all of his investments into things that generate quarters. And he has in uh, this barn he built behind his house, quarter sorting machines that sort quarters by weight, which can tell you like, so he, he can set them for different, different, different variances. So he can pull the high dollar quarters out sell those on the coin collecting market, yep. roll the stuff that's only worth 25 cents and turn it right back into cash. And it's like, so you've turned your side hustle into just this thing that if you go near it, it just sounds like shh, 24 hours a day. He goes, yeah, pretty much. It's a smart thing, man. Cause you, there's, there's some, uh, you can still find out there silver quarters. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got this 1974 misprint double stamp, you know, yeah, and he starts talking about it. I'm like, um, I got a first appearance of Spider-Man in a black suit. <laughs> I thought I was nerdy until he started talking about that. Coins, yeah. You know. Um, so should we talk about comic books for this week? Yeah, I got it pulled up. So does I. Um is there anything? Is there anything that jumps out of jumps off the page at you as uh, um, really particularly interesting this week? There is buzz on the new Black Panther number yeah. three. New baddie. Yep. Um, um, I'm excited to uh, to read Coin Up Coin Up Carnival. Yes. Um, Saga 55. Uh, I, I'm just excited for the return of Saga. Um, you know, similar, to a lot of retailers, I'm not sure if you're doing it as well in this game, but a lot of retailers, including ourselves, are giving away the book um, to in, encourage people to add it to the subscription or um, to try it out. Heck no! <laughs> and this is why. In my experience, I'm going to give you an experiential thing. Just it has nothing to do with any comic books or anything. In the city of Houston, if you want to get rid of a large piece of furniture, you put it on the side of the road, but not with a free sign on it, but with a sign on that it says $20, and then someone will steal it for you. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like this if you say to a person, I don't believe this is worth I'm going to give this to you for free, then in their mind, it then becomes worth nothing. Correct. If they don't have any money in it. They're more likely to sit that in their, you know, I'll read it eventually pile. I'm all, I might charge them double just to offset all y'all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective where, well, we're giving it away. If you, one, we have a limit, you've got to do it before January 31st. Uh, so we we can find out how many people are actually going to add to the subscription, and you have to add it to your subscription, so we can see how many to order for the next issue. Because you know that's this is what something we've discussed. 
were having problems de deciding on how many um, to order. And this, especially Saga was a good example where it's three years later, two years later, or something like that. And our subscriber, we only had two subscribers left. And I'm like, I know we had a lot more subscribers than that uh, back in the day. So I need a true number coming into the next one. So to get people back into it, a $3 investment is not that bad for us. Like I said, they have to subscribe to it or resubscribe to it. Um, and they have to do it before January 31st. So we, we know what to order over the next issue. Yeah, my my strategy would have been to give one to every pull lister or every sub uh, every sub lister, and then you know anybody who spends fifty bucks gets we, you know, something to that something to that effect, or yeah, anybody who adds this to their pull list now gets one. Yep, like, we've we've tried thing. giving. Hmm? I've ever, I think the most successful thing I've ever done, and I've only done it one time, so it's not something you should abuse. But when Exo Man of War name, number one came out and I had read the first issue, I bought enough to give one, put one in every single pull box. And I didn't give it to them. They would come and pick up their pull box and say, what's this? I'm not subscribed to it. I'm like, spend the money on this book right now. If you hate its guts, just bring it back to me and I'll give you your money back. No big deal. But I believe in this book so much that I bought enough for every single person to have it for the box. We've done and that I as think well. I had two returned. So it made people buy it. I made people buy it, which meant they wanted that they wanted to read it so they could bring it back because they were, you know, if they didn't like it. One, so one of the things we discovered from that, uh, when we did do things similar to that, is people really are on a tight budget and they don't want to add another four or five dollar series to um, their poll. And we noticed that a lot of them said that. They, they were like, I, you know, I can't afford this right now. I can't afford to add another title. Um, especially since we, you know, we, we did that because we we offer a number one return guarantee. Any issue number one that you, you know, if we, especially if we recommend it, just bring it back. Uh, as long as um, it's in a sellable condition, we'll give you credit for the book. No big deal. Um, but, you know, it, uh, many times we heard saying, hey, I can't another, add another title. And it's an unfortunate part of the, our business because we are in the business of that requires. It's, it's a disposable income business, uh, unfortunately. Um, a lot of people love their comic books, but it's it's not their top priority. It's not like paying rent or getting food. Of course, you know, I always tell people if you have a choice of buying a booster pack of uh, Magic or Pokemon or whatever, or buying lunch, buy the booster pack. Because your friends and family will always feed you, but they won't buy you the pack. <laughs> I So when I was, before I was working in a store, uh, I had crazy good luck buying Magic cards at Rite Aid. And I'd go and I'd buy Magic cards at Rite Aid and I'd pull money cards and there was a, a card shop between the Rite Aid and my office. So I'd buy the cards with my lunch money Go to the right or go to the card shop, sell the cards for usually more than my lunch money, stop and pick up lunch on my way back to the office. <laughs> See, like I had a I had a nice little hustle. You can't do that anymore. Uh, one, nope. because a place like Target and Walmart, they started to put them away. Um, but if there's a hot product, a TCG product, they've been skimmed through. People have gone through, pulled out, uh, open pack. You go there and you'll see open packs. Um, 
and I, I, you wouldn't believe how many customers that actually walked into our store and saying, hey, you know, we bought these and it was all crud and you can tell it was opened. And they'll never shop at uh, big box stores and get those items there again, which is so, you know, good for us. But I, I will say this. This Rite Aid was in a not great neighborhood where there weren't a lot of Magic players. Let's just There, there so you go. It was a different sort of situation. And again, this was eight years ago, ten, almost over 10 years ago now. So, like, you know, it was a little different time. True. Very true. All right. But uh, back to comics. There's a new company uh, that's supposed to have their books out this week uh, that has drawn my attention. They're called Bad Kid Press. Have you guys heard about them? Yes. I ordered their books. And this uh, isn't a bad idea. This is Bad Kid Press. Right. Uh, diff- different folks. Uh, Stephen Coughlin is one of the. He has a book called Cheap Tricks that's described as a rock musical, co- a wet intergalactic rock musical comedy. Or no, that's Frank and Rocker and the Jailbait Punks. I don't think uh, that's this week. Cheap. Uh, they're all on my list for this week. Uh, but again, it's small company. Uh, entirely possible that they're not a thing yet. You know that they're not on time or something um but yeah they had they had uh cheap tricks stealing oz and uh frankenrocker is not on this week's get on this week's list for me but the other ones are yeah i don't see them on mine or this is at least not on my invoice um but if you guys are reading zenscope anybody who is or doesn't all guts, no glory. Number one comes out, and that seems like a very interesting book. Yes, uh, that's. Uh, I'm excited. I have we uh, I have a preview copy of that to read for my show tomorrow. Nice. So I'm very excited to read it. Um, Miss Jen, maybe uh, this just hit my new calamity Ashken. I think that's a source point book, right? I don't see the image. Uh, Didn't you have that last week, Miss Jen? Yeah, I yeah, had I think, last week, so it was definitely, um, yeah, it was definitely uh, from those guys. Yeah, it may have hit our system this week just because we were running a little late. Cowboy Bebop number one comes out. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that shakes out since the show was good, but then got canceled. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Maybe fans come out to support it. We unfortunately did end up, you know, lowering our numbers by the time it. Uh, it was a tough decision to make. Um, you might see some faces that you know in Sleeping Beauties number nine. I think some of my staff members are in that in this issue. So, have you heard from um, Allison since her surgery? I've been watching her post the last couple of days. Okay, yeah. so then it went well. Yep. Or you know, as well as can be expected. So. I love seeing posts. Vibes from her. To her. I love seeing posts from her house because she has lots and lots of plants in her house. Like her hand, her house is mostly plant. And then uh, Barbara Mendez, who is also known as Willie, who has stuff that comes out from. She's the queen of Cosmos comics from Red Five. Her house is like that too, where it's just like plants and plants and plants and plants. I wish I could do that. I'd love to have plants in my house, but I would just kill them. That that was gonna be exactly my responses. I would yep. love to as well, but I kill everything. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of um, new publishers, Bliss on Tap, Duel Number One, comes out this week. Bliss on Tap's been around, hasn't? Yes, because it is on our. Well, okay, it may, it may have, if you had a direct. I guess Diamond just got it. Um, well, I'm sorry. The Duel Number One just came out. Duel Bliss Number One is new. The publisher's been around. Yeah, well, not too long, but yes. Yeah, I, maybe like the last year, 10 months. Yeah, something yeah like that. sounds about right. What's also, a cool agency? By Action Network. Yeah. By who? Action Lab. Oh, it's Action Lab. Okay. And it reports that Pirate Queen is inbound, so we'll see number four. House of Slaughter number four as well. That's been such a good series. How does this stack up to something is killing? It's different. To me, the House of Slaughter is much more driven by relationship than the other one. The other one's like full on, here I am, I'm going to keep these monsters from conquering it's more about the battle kind of thing to me but the this other one seems like it's very much about the relationship of everybody that's at the house that's it feels a little bit like wheel of time how they have like all the oh no not wheel of time no yeah wheel of time where all the witches are kind of like a group and everybody always competing with each other that's the way house the slaughter feels like to me because it's like it feels like all the different colored bandana people are both working together and a little bit competitive with each other. Okay. And then you've got the, the one, the one main character has got a relationship. That's an obvious relationship that has started in issue two or something. So it's got a lot of like things that I like where it's like relationship and also conflict. Uh, I have to make a, uh, um, what's that thing where you make a correction? Um, Addendum? Yeah, uh, no, in the newspaper. Um, oh, your editorial fix. Whatever. We're uh, Bliss on Tap has been around for since at least two thousand five, but it looks Ooh. like their publishing strategy has really picked up in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, going back to two thousand five, they had God the Dyslexic Dog, which is a book I remember buying and going, "This is wild." Um, they had a book called Butt Like Maybe. Um, I don't remember those. Oh, but like maybe it was really good. Yes, I loved but like maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, then like maybe dot dot dot. Right, right. Uh, and it was all drawn like you you know when you're drawing comics in high school and you're just doing them on the notebook paper like it was awesome. Uh, but really, in the last year, they had uh, Lost Angeles, and now they have Duel. Um, other books they've had are Train Eight Zombie Express. I play the bad guy. Uh, hardcore a can and future proof. I love all uh, these movies. The I'm thing the thing of the thing of note is that all of these books are still currently ongoing according to the website I use. But God the Dyslexic Dog hasn't come out since two thousand and five. Oh wow. Ooh, there's a peacemaker book coming out. Mm-hmm. 
I'm interested to read the Usagi Ojimbo Lone Goat and Kid. <laughs> Looks really cute. That's a reprint, right? Is it? I believe so. I believe that came out a little while, a few years back. Okay. Um, I didn't know if it was like they're doing a second series or something. That would be nice. Um, I think they're just doing a color version of the previous one. Let me see what the solicitor says. Yeah, so, presented so in all new color. So happy to see Stan like have the because his stuff is getting ready to be made. Glad to see him get his recognition. I hope yeah, he gets. Right. I hope he's a, a household name like Stanley. Stan's Sakai. Stan Sakai. If, if Stan Sakai is not a household name in your household, you're doing something wrong. I think the the common man, like the person you would be like, hey, oh, like films? oh yeah, that dude. I don't know that people would be able to point Stan out. Right, I'm calling out those people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't nerd shame people. There are people in this industry, like Stanley, like uh, I would say in 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 other ends of the industry, like Tony Isabella or Bill Lobes, who people don't know, who need more credit. But Stan Sakai is one of those that, yeah, if you're not teaching your children who Stan Sakai is, you're raising ill-educated nerds. Oh, no. I said it here first. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's hard to put him in, 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 you know, in my book, of course, he's one of the tops, but it's hard to put him up there with Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Stan Lee, because he hasn't done as much but he's done one thing perfectly. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And if you're if you've read even one issue, you know how amazing he is. Yeah. And the other thing, and this is what people don't give him credit for, is that without him, Kevin Eastman and uh, you know Peter Laird, Bob Burden, uh, and some of those guys, the this indie kind of thing that we know as true indie doesn't exist. True. Like those guys paved the way for companies like we had our publisher panel. Literally none of those companies exist if those guys hadn't chopped down the trees years ago to pave the way for, for Scout, Bad Idea, Aftershock, you know, Source Point, Red Five. Like so in the Pantheon, can can you really get away with, with saying he isn't? I mean, it's I think Part of the difference is, is that Usagi, Usagi Ajimbo has never achieved the commercial successes of Iron Man. And Correct. never can. And it might. You never know if they do do a good animated series for it. And, and on the same note, since we are giving credit to that, we should still give credit to Cerberus as well as Bone. Yeah, those, Dave those Sim guys. and yeah, um, Jeff, uh, Smith. Jeff Smith. Thank you. Jeff, I'm sorry when I see you in a few weeks. Do not hit me for not remembering your name. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those common names. But, yeah, it is unfortunate. A lot of people won't, you know, may not get to see his talent until later on in life. Right. Like, but like I said, it's, I think, I think it's an important part of raising a well rounded nerd to okay. expose them to all of it. I mean, if you choose. Ninja Turtles instead of Usagi Ajimbo, I can't fault you. If you choose you know, Captain instead of Flaming Carrot, now now we're gonna have a problem. 
too much coffee man you know too much coffee man was great uh, on, on the same note i do want to point this out same thing you know uh, a lot of people make fun of savage dragon but eric larson's done a great job with 300 plus issues with that right i was dragon and he's kept it going he's worked hard at it and same thing you know similar to usagi jimbo these guys worked hard at one thing and did it really well yeah there's something this there's something to be said for doing one thing perfectly forever like and, and that's that's you know it wasn't these guys weren't out there trying to reinvent fandom right Correct. they were not there trying to reinvent the way people uh consumed comic books they were just making their story the way they wanted it how they wanted it and never let anything slow them down or stop them like exactly that's i th and i think that's why i hold and and this is this is a hot nerd controversial nerd take why i hold those guys in higher esteem than i hold a lot of people people you know that would be otherwise considered legends I mean, obviously, Stan Lee is Jack Kirby, you know, Bill Finger, those guys, Dick Giordano, they're up there. But then it's those guys, and Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and all those guys can come in third. Like, you know, it's I hold, I hold, I hold that group in higher esteem than I hold a lot of people in comics that have done a ton for the industry. And again, that's not shortchanging all those the, your third group either. You know, they, they've no. done amazing things. Uh, without them, they wouldn't be indies the way it is now, the way it is now. Um, but they still they had their roads paved by people like Jeff Smith and Stan Sakai and um, Dave Smith and others, of course. I know that I'm forgetting a few. So yeah, uh, Bob, you know, guys like Bob Burton, um, um, guys like uh, 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 Gary Reed at Caliber. Um, you know, those guys, which, again, the number of people who can name Gary Reed are probably aren't that many, but I think that's an important part. And it's like, it's why I always made sure when I had my store that I was hand selling books that nobody wanted because I'm like, no, you have to understand this book, it begat this book, begat this book, begat this book. Oh, you want Spawn? Well, you can't read Spawn until you've read. <laughs> you know, Cerebus. Like, you gotta understand how this works. You know, but that's probably why I'm not in retail anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like one of my favorite recommendations to people is um, Todd the Ugliest Kid on. Yes. Earth. Yes. People just don't understand how great that book is. Um, well, and if you look at horror comics, Piranha Press is beautiful stories for ugly children. Yeah. Completely changed what you could do with horror comics. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we could probably talk about this all day. Right. And if you guys haven't checked out Rex Mundi, I'd recommend that as well. Okay. Um, especially the early years before it hit Image. You know, they did a great job. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm very excited. I get to see Jeff Smith in a few weeks. Um, one of the stores that I go to regularly does a kids thing every year, and he comes and talks to them. Like, like he doesn't do that many conventions. He doesn't do that much stuff. He comes and talks to kids. Uh, see, make arrangements.
for him to pop in here or at least do an interview for an experience. He won't. Um, and I respect that. <laughs> hey, I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't fault him for it. Yeah, I've met me. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, so any else, anything else for the good of the order? I think we did a good coverage of what's going on in nerd news now. Right. We're going to try. Wait, 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 wait. We didn't talk about food. <laughs> Don't even. I, I, went to, I went to the grocery store today, and there are two products I want to put the whole world onto. One is from Hidden Valley. It's called Secret Sauce. If you've not tried it, get it. It goes on everything. The other is they're now packaging. You know the sauce Taco Bell puts on their quesadillas? The creamy yeah. chipotle sauce? Yeah. Uh, they're now packaging that as an individual item you can buy at the grocery store. I think you might be the test market for it. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. I tested it. It's awesome. Because <laughs> we, we haven't heard about it in our The area. results are in. Um, Hidden Valley Ranch Secret Sauce. Okay. And next week, we will talk about our famous recipe of PB&J and, and cucumber uh, finger sandwiches. All right. One other one other food thing, I guess. Um, if you have an air fryer, get chocolate chip cookie dough, put it on foil, and stick it in the air fryer. 350 for 10 minutes. Thank me later. I can't have any of that. <laughs> whatever kind of cookie dough you like, sugar-free, flavorless, whatever you like. <laughs> Thank you for watching Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom from Woodlands Online, sponsored by the Adventure Begins Comics and Games and Space Cadets Collection Collection. Check out our other shows on Woodlands Online, like We Can Fallout Sports Talk, The Adventure Begins Show, For Reels, The Best You, Between the Trees Business Talk, and much more. I always say For Reels, and I think people might think that I'm saying, no, these actually exist. For Reels appears to be a show about film. Uh, you can watch all of these and more. Uh, on Woodlands Online and on our partner station, KVQT HD21, over the air on your TV. All these shows available right now on Roku. Just search and add Woodlands Online TV to your streaming lineup. Now you can listen to the podcast versions of these shows on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. So, for Brainy and Miss Jen, I've been Kyle. And this has been Nerd News News. <laughs>